0: Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. So a couple, it's actually been probably a few months ago, um, Pastor Ron preached a two-series message on the church. How many of you remember that message, those messages on the church? Um, incredible, incredible word. Again, I know I say this every now and then, uh, you can access all of those messages again on our podcast. Uh, If you just search Harmony Christian Church on anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find it. Or you can go to our website and find it there. You can also find it on YouTube. But I encourage you, go back. You know, these messages aren't to be just heard, entertaining. Hopefully, they're a little bit entertaining to listen to. But they're not just to be something we just hear, we blow up, blow out, and then never hear it again. They're to be digested. It's the word to get it on the inside of us. Amen? So sometimes it's good to go back and re-listen to those things so you can do that, access all of that through. Sometimes technology is good, right? This is one area where technology is good. And so, um, so I encourage you to do that. But he preached this message on the church. My intent at that point in time was to come in the next Sunday and continue on with that. But I have preacher ADD sometimes. And uh, as I was preparing that week, per, that, that particular week, God just took me in a whole different direction. But I am circling. want to circle back around to talking about the church this morning. And uh, eventually that's going to lead into talking about community as well. But to this morning, I want to talk specifically about the church. You know, I think, I think sometimes we have dumbed down what the church is. If you ask any average American, uh, what is church? The typical reply would be a service some t- around 10, 30 a.m. on Sunday morning, where you have a few songs of worship, And some guy gets up and preaches to you for a little while. And that's church. Maybe you have a fish fry afterwards. Praise God. That's church, right? Amen. And while the service is a part of church, the service is for the church, but it is not the church. This, what we're doing right now, is not the church. It is for the church. And it is important, and it is something that we want to put energy into. It is something we want to make sure we attend. It is something we want to make sure that we do well, but it does not equal the church. The service does not equal the church. Jesus says that he is the head of the church, which is what? His body. You and I are the church. The church is not a service. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is a people. We are the church. The actual definition, the word for church that is used in the Bible is the word ecclesia, which literally means the congregation of the citizens, the assembly of the citizens. It actually is, is a political term that the Greeks use to mean a legislative body of people that the church by definition is not a service. The church is the gathering of the sons and the daughters of God. It is the body of Christ. You and I are the church. Amen. And I think the church, the definition of the church needs to be rescued a little bit in our country that we have so cheapened the church to see, to be how many people can we fit in a room at one time. And we come in and we have our service, but then we leave and we live our lives outside of the community. We live our lives outside of the responsibility of the church because we've placed the responsibility of the church on a service. And it's time that we reclaim What the church is. That the church is the body of Christ. And the church has responsibilities in the earth. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 16. Let's read it together. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, or some of your Bibles will say Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did, not he, uh, you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Verse 18, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What is Jesus telling us here? Is he telling us that the church is going to be built on Peter? No. That Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Right? Amen? He is not saying that the church is going to be built on the disciple named Peter. What he's saying is that the church is going to be built on the revelation that Peter had, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The foundation of the church is the revelation of Jesus. The rock of the church, the foundation, the chief cornerstone is Jesus. Amen? So I want to say this, and this is kind of how we're going to do this message, this, uh, this series. I'm going to tell you what the church is not and what the church is. So the first one here, the church is not built on the vision of the pastor or the people or the leadership. The church is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. The church, let me say it again, is not built on the vision of the pastor or leadership or the people in the church. The church is built on the revelation of Jesus. Now let me say this. God will for sure give vision and direction to the pastors, to the leadership of the church. He will for sure guide them and lead them. But the vision must be built in His image and not the leader's image. Yes. Yeah. It must be focused on the appointing the, uh, people to Jesus and not pointing people to a speaker, or to a worship leader, or to any one person of the church, that the foundation of the church is not the vision of the leader. The foundation of the church is the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen? You know, churches have gotten really good at marketing their brand. And really, if we want to get real honest, the church has gotten really good at copying the church down the road who's doing really well and marketing their brand as their own, right? And, you know, if you go to a church growth, many church growth seminars or, or, or conferences, they will teach you to build your church as a brand, that there's a branding that has to be involved and in, that that's the sermons, uh, the preacher is a content creator, and you got to build around the content of the message. And I want to tell you, that's a load of rubbish. I was going to say garbage. I don't know if that's appropriate to say on a Sunday. It's garbage, right? That it's not built on the vision of the leader. It's built on the revelation of Jesus. It's not built in my image. It's not built in the image of the leadership. It's built around the image of Jesus. Amen? I was listening to a podcast not too long ago. Incredible podcast. The Jesus Culture Pastors Podcast. If any of you are podcast people, they have some incredible stuff. They were talking about uh, the church post-COVID. And kind of what it looks like, what a lot of leadership and a lot of other uh, pastors and leaders are saying that the church looks like now. And a lot of them are saying that the church, the new wave of the church, the new direction of the church is church online. That that's the new platform, that's the new direction that the church is taking. And there's many reasons for this. There's many reasons why they think that this is where the church is going. One is because many churches went from 50 to 100 people listening to their message on a Sunday morning to now 500 people, thousands of people now hearing their message because they put it online. And so they see the numbers of people and watches online and their church, their influence has now grown. The reality is, the problem with that is, is how many of you have ever watched a full church service online? That's what I thought. (laughs) The reality is, most of the time, it's two or three minutes of a watch time, and that's it. So so are we really gaining that much more online? Now listen, online church is an incredible tool, right? It's an incredible tool. It's an incredible thing, and we want to be able to use the tools that, that God has given us to the best of our abilities. But let me tell you, it's a poor substitute for right here. So that's one reason why they say the church is online? The other reason they say the churches, the next wave of the church is online, is there's this really fancy thing called the edit button, right? <laughs> Post production is a pastor's, a worship team's best friend, right? If you have the right people, you have the right software, you can make your service look incredible right? There's all kinds of things on Sunday morning. I wish I could hit the edit button on <laughs> and polish up a little bit, right? So, the, so the, the quality is getting better because of technology. So they're saying that the new move, the new wave is church online. But here's, here's the main reason they believe the church is going online. Because many in the younger generation are saying we love online church and we'd prefer to be online rather than be in person and in service. And so many churches are now beginning to build that because it is the new preference. I don't know about you, but I don't think that we should hear what people want and then go build that church. The church... The rock, the foundation of the church, is built on his image. What does he say it should look like? Not what do we think it should look like. Not what does the pastor say it should look like. Not what does it say the people or the congregation say it should look like. It is built on the revelation of Jesus. What does he want? What does he say the church is supposed to look like? You know, the Bible gives some details and there's structure, there's there's direction and instruction for building a church. And we are to go to the word of God itself and build a church and not build a church out of the image of the culture. The church is built on the image of Jesus, Amen? amen? The church is built on the revelation of Jesus. And who gave him that revelation? What does it say there in the scripture that we just read? It says, you are blessed, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But my father has revealed this to you who is in heaven. That the image of the church, the vision of the church, we get from the father. What does he say it is? It's a kingdom built in his image, not mine and not yours. Amen? Amen. Here's the next statement. The church is not fragile. The church is unstoppable. The church is not fragile. The church is not, or the church is unstoppable. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church does not rise or fall at the hands of of the culture. Amen. The Bible tells us that not even all of hell could overpower the church. So why do we give the church the culture so much power over the church? Not even the gates of hell can conquer the church. Yet we allow the culture to gain so much ground. Here's the here's the deal. If the church is losing ground in the culture, It's not because the devil has infiltrated our governments and our school systems and our entertainment and even the church itself. It's not because the church just needs to become more relevant. How many of you ever heard that, right? The church just needs to get more relevant, right? It just needs to, it just needs to begin looking a little bit more like the culture so we can attract the culture, right? We become all things to all people is what we say, right? It just needs to get more relevant. And it's not because young people are just getting disinterested. Listen, young people, if they're disinterested in the church, it's not because they don't want God. It's because they're looking for something real. It's because they're hungering for something real. The trends of generations change, but one thing remains the same. The earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. That yes, the culture may shift, the styles may shift, the attitude may shift. But one thing is constant. Every human being hungers for the realness of God's presence. Every generation is thirsty for something real to come along that they can follow and that they can give their lives for. Every generation hungers for it. So the young people are not disinterested. If they're disinterested in the church is because the church is not giving them something to be interested in. It's not giving them something real to grab hold of. And so the problem is not the devil is just overtaking. The problem is not that, uh, that um, we got to build a more relevant church. And the promise problem is not that people are disinterested. If the church is losing ground to the culture, it's because the church has lost who she is. All of hell cannot stop the church. Yet we complain and we mumble and grumble. Because people seem disinterested in the church. And it's the culture's fault. You know, I remember, I remember back when, uh, in 2008, when Barack Obama was elected president. And I'm not getting political, so don't worry. I remember when he was elected president. And, and you know, 90% of the church is conservative, right? And I remember when that, that night that that happened and the days following, I remember this Depression. That fell, this heavy blanket that fell on the church. I remember going uh, to to a, a church praise and worship practice, and it was just like, man, everybody was kicking stones, you know, like, and it just so depressed, like, what are we gonna do now? Like, how is the church gonna survive this? You know, I remember even going to youth youth group. Listen, fifteen year olds. We're mourning. (laughs) And I understand it's important. Believe me, it even says in the Bible, when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. Right? It's important who leads our country. But the person in the White House does not determine the direction of the church. The person in the White House does not determine the effectiveness of the church. So it's not controlled. Listen, if you look in the Bible, 90% of the time, the person in power was evil. That when the church was being built and established, it was, who was it? What's his name? Uh, The guy in power. Whatever his name was. It was Caesar. It wasn't Caesar. It's a. Nero, was it Nero? It was one of those guys. Yeah, I think it was Nero. That guy, here, here's where I need that edit button. <laughs> Polish this thing up a bit, you know. Nero, the one that was hanging Christians in his garden and using them as torches. That was the culture that the church of Jesus thrived in, that the church was built in. Yet when Obama was elected president, the church went into this state of mourning, When Joe Biden was elected president, the church went into a state of mourning. Listen, the church is not affected by who's in leadership. The church is not brought down by who's in leadership. The church, I think, shines even brighter and brighter when we have, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful here because I'm not saying whatever. I'm not, I don't want to be political about this. But I think in times of trouble, that's when the church shines even brighter. That says, I have a quote that's hung up in my office right now. It's from the Welsh Revival. And it's from an unknown person there in the Welsh Revival. It says that, it says that it's always darkest right before the dawn of revival. That churches are at their deadest moment right before the Son of God appears. Listen, that the church is not affected by the culture, but rather the culture should be affected by the church. Amen? We don't have to become more relevant. We have to be authentic to who God has said we are. We have to be authentic to who he has called us to be. And when we move in that place of authenticity... When we move in that place of authenticity, that's when the church becomes effective. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. This goes along with this whole thought here. The church is not subject to the culture, the church transforms the culture till it looks like heaven on earth. Let me say it again the church is not subject. ...to the culture, but rather the church transforms the culture until the culture looks like heaven on earth. Amen? What does this go on and say? It says that that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then it goes on and it says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That the church is not subject to the culture, but rather the church infects the culture with the kingdom. You have the keys of the kingdom. You have the power to pull heaven to earth. You know, when Jesus prayed, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he prayed that prayer, it wasn't just some fancy words. Everything Jesus prayed, he meant. And if he prayed That the kingdom of heaven would come to earth, that he fully expects the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. And guess what? It's the church's responsibility to see that happen. We are not subject to the culture, the culture is rather transformed by us. Amen? A great example of this comes from one of the greatest revivalists in human history, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. How many of you have seen Mary Poppins? Here's here's the real question. How many have not seen Mary Poppins? Okay. You were dismissed from the congregation this morning. (laughs) Go home, watch Mary Poppins, then you can come back to church. Mary Poppins is an incredible example of what the church should look like, believe it or not. So, If you open, when the movie opens up, you see the Banks family, right? At the start of the movie, you see the Banks household is a wreck, right? The kids have run off. The nanny that's supposed to be watching them is giving up and going crazy and she's leaving. The mom comes in singing her song about women's rights, right? She's fighting for women's rights, but she's probably the worst mom on the planet, right? Because she abandons her kids. The nanny's telling her, hey, your kids are lost. And she's just marching through the house singing her song, right? The dad comes home and he's stern. He's angry, right? He's, he's all of these things. The house is a complete disaster. It's a complete wreck. Mr. Banks is constantly pawning off, or Mrs. Banks is constantly pawning off for kids to go fight for women's equality. You know, the whole thing. Then Mary Poppins walks in. Right? Birds start singing. Rooms start cleaning themselves. Amen. Medicine is sugar. And the whole culture of the bank's house shifts. Order is brought to the house. Right? Where there was once chaos, now there's order. And it's not stuffy order, right? It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, everybody's got to toe the line. It's. It's order, but it's also fun. And it's full of joy, and it's full of wonder. And she steps in and immediately begins affecting the culture around her to the point where, if, at first, the kids are affected. Right, the kids are affected, and then it, it spreads out, and Mrs. Banks is then is, is affected by the culture, and then Mr. Banks gets affected by the culture. And so you see this change happen in this household. That throughout the movie, you see the culture, the leaven of Mary Poppins, right, begins to spread into the culture of the Banks house. And at the end of the movie, the beginning of the movie, it's a wreck. At the end of the movie, they're all flying kites together, right? They're flying kites. They're enjoying each other. It's full of joy and wonder by the end of the movie. That, that, uh, the Mary Poppins come in comes in and infects a culture that was once a wreck and now changes it. To be a place of joy and wonder and order. And it tells us, Jesus tells us this. He says, the kingdom of God is like leaven. When a woman takes it in three measures and puts it into the the bread. And the whole bread rises because of the leaven. That's the kingdom. And that is the job of the church. That the culture doesn't bring us down, but rather wherever we go, whatever situation we step into, our leaven begins to spread throughout that entire culture. And the leaven that is on the inside of us begins to affect the culture around us till the whole dough begins to rise and to be affected by the kingdom of God. You know, the Bible says that you, first it says that Jesus is the light of the world, right? But then it goes on and it and Jesus flips the whole thing and he says, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, right? How many of you ever walked into a room, a dark room, right? You flip on a switch, and there's this cosmic battle between the light in the room and the darkness. There's this fight, and one of them wins, and one of them, no, that doesn't happen, right? When you walk into the room and you turn the light on, the light always wins 100% of the time, right? You are the light of the world, which means if there's any darkness around you, it's because you're not shining that light. If there's darkness in our culture, it's because the church has not stood up, put her light out on the, what is it? the song? The light on the pedestal, right? And allowed the light to permeate the culture, The culture is, we are not subject to the culture. The culture is subject to us. So if there's darkness where you work, turn on the light. If there's darkness in your city, guess what it's time to do? Turn on the light. If, and listen, I'm, I'm just a side note on that whole thought. I love to see what's happening in Elwood, Indiana right now there's some light being turned on. A city that is is known around this area as one of the darkest cities. There's no city around us that has the reputation that Elwood has, but some lights are getting turned on and there's some leaven infecting the culture of that city. And we're, before long, we're already seeing it, seeing it happen, but before long, that leaven is gonna infect that entire city and the culture of an entire city can be changed. What is it? We are repairs of cities and restores of communities. When our leaven begins to seep into the culture, when our leaven seeps into the culture, when we turn our light on, and let it shine. Darkness cannot prevail. It doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't stand a chance. Amen. In fact, the definition of darkness, you know, darkness isn't even a real thing. The definition of darkness is the absence of light. So if it's dark, it's just because the light has not come yet. You are the light of the world. Whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. Heaven comes to earth, through the sons and daughters of God, through his ecclesia, through his church. Amen. Amen. The church, is a powerful, powerful thing. The body of Christ, is a powerful, powerful thing. And I think it's time, that we begin infecting, the culture around us, amen, amen. Let's go ahead and stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the church. God, I thank you that you lead and you guide the church. And Father, I thank you that the church is powerful and the church is unstoppable, Jesus that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. God, I pray that today you'd give us this church, this body, this assembly, the grace to begin walking in our purpose, the grace to begin walking in our destiny, and our responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ. God, we honor you today. We thank you for your word this morning. God, we pray that it would penetrate our hearts, that it would shift our thinking, God, that we would become the body, the bride that you have called us to be. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.